Well, I just want to give praise to the Lord for our, our praise team this morning leading us in worship. Uh, as I shared when we were around the throne of grace a moment ago, Jan is, uh, had tested positive earlier this week for, for COVID. Uh, she says it's basically been like a cold, and so we rejoice and that it hadn't gotten any worse than that. Uh, but they just step right up and just go forward and help us in our worship. So, guys and gals, thank you so much uh, for helping us in our worship today. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me this morning to the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 64. James, would you do me a favor? Would, uh, would you cut on the lights for me over there? Okay, thank you. Appreciate that very, very much. James, uh, Isaiah chapter 64. The thought occurred to me this week that if the political chaos and confusion that's in our face practically every day, and if this pandemic, um, with all of its divisiveness, um, the destruction it's caused, you know, in e economically and many other ways, and of course the fact that people have lost their life, and if the tsunami, what I'm going to call the tsunami of spiritual darkness and depravity that has flooded our country, our communities, and unfortunately also in some of our church houses, that, that has brought about a pollution of, of, of immorality, of, of hatred, of, of evil, of anger, of violence. If these things are not moving the heart of the people of God to cry out, I mean literally cry out to God for his direct and divine intervention, if that's not moving our heart, then in reality the spiritual problem is not in the White House, it's in the church house. 2,700 years ago, the old prophet Isaiah a different time, a different people, but basically the same, essentially the same crisis, was moved to cry out to God in a very bold way. And it's recorded for us right here in Isaiah chapter 64, the first four verses. So would you follow along with me as we hear how he responded to God? He said, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains might quake at your presence as fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things which, you, which we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. For from the days of old they have not heard or perceived uh, uh, perceived, not has as God as I seen God beside you who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. I guess I better pull those things out. <laughs> Call glasses. Isaiah lifted up what I would call a very audacious prayer. Bold. 
Lord God, rend the heavens. Lord God, shake the mountains. Lord God, manifest your holy fire, the presence of your holy fire, so that there is no doubt in anybody's mind that it is you, the Lord God, who has come. One of the things that's concerning to me right now is the fact that we talk about what we're seeing. We wonder, what does all this mean? And, and we also seem to be more and more interested in, like the study we're doing on Sunday night called Signs of the Times. But there still is a spirit of apathy. A spirit of apathy where we don't mind talking about, wondering about, maybe learning some new things or uh, of what is going on and give some understanding to it. But there doesn't need, seem to be a movement in the hearts of God's people to hit their knees and to be able to cry out for God to intervene. Isaiah was asking God to directly to directly interject himself into the affairs of men right here on this earth. He wasn't just crying out, saying, oh, woe is me, Lord, what are we going to do? No, he says, Lord God, I'm asking you to directly interject your presence, your power into what is happening so it can change. And I just don't see or observe that spirit in the body of Christ today. Even though I am convinced that we are where Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 24, if you want to turn there with me for just a moment, the disciples had come to Jesus and asked him, says, look, what are the signs of the times? What, 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 what do we need to be looking for as we move into the end of the age or what the scripture often refers to as the latter days? And so as Jesus begins to kind of lay out some of the things to be looking for, the key verse is in verse 8 where he says, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. In some translation, it says the beginning of sorrows. I think the King James uses the phrase the beginning of sorrows. Some translations use the beginning of suffering. But the Greek word that is used there is exactly the word that they would use to talk about a woman entering into labor, into birth pains. And of course, we all understand the process that once it begins, then it begins to follow on through. And so they come more rapidly, those labor pains come more rapidly, they become more intense, they become harder until, of course, that child is born. There's no doubt in my heart and mind, and I'm not, as I've shared with you, I keep that before you so you'll understand my heart, I'm not a prophet, but I can study scripture, I can see what is happening, and, and I am absolutely convinced that this is exactly where we are. We are in the birth now, what does that mean? It means that it started and it will continue and it will get more intense and it will get harder until we reach that time. And so I have been sharing with you over the last several weeks, both here in the morning messages and on Sunday night, 
And I believe that we're fixing one or two things. I've been telling you either we got revival coming or we got the rapture coming. Well, this week while I have been in the Word of God, I've, I've kind of I've made somewhat of a change because I have come to the conclusion that it's not a, an either or. I think it's going to be a both and. I think there is a reason why these things are happening. And if you want to know more, and, and I'm going to go into more detail tonight at 6 o'clock in here in our study of the signs of the time. But the reason I'm bringing that up to you this morning is because when I look at the prayer of Isaiah, listen to me carefully, when I look at the prayer of Isaiah, I know it will ultimately be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled when Christ returns because when he literally returns to set up his millennium, kingdom, all these things are going to happen that you just that Isaiah was praying for. The heavens will be rendered, the mountains will shake, there will be the holy fire of God taking place. But how about in between those times when we need the Lord to come? Like right now. We need the Lord to come. We have set aside four days as the body of Christ. We call it revival. We don't know if revival is going to take place or not. And God has spoken in my heart to share with you as your pastor and, and anyone that is visiting with us as well seven things that, that we need to do to prepare ourselves for the coming revival. I'm going to share two today. I'm going to share three next Sunday and two the next, the next three Sundays. And I really feel strongly in my heart this is a word the Lord has given me to share with you as your pastor, as your under-shepherd. Christ is the shepherd. I'm the under-shepherd. So let's begin looking at it today. And as we look at it, the first thing I want to draw your attention to is what may be to you obvious, but I want to explain something about it that maybe you hadn't thought about. Number one, I am, as your pastor, challenging you as believers in Christ, whether you're part of this body or maybe you're a part of another body but you're here today or maybe you're looking to be part of a body of Christ. I, I, I am inviting you to be a part of this, but I am challenging you to pray earnestly for the next 21 days, and I'll make more mention of that in just a moment, but to invite the Lord to come among us. Now listen carefully. The Lord has promised, you know this, let me remind you of it. That where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. Do I have a witness of that? Clear, concise, praise his name for that promise. That's not what we're talking about. That's true right now. But we talk about literally, as Isaiah did, invite the Lord to come among us. We're inviting him to come and supernaturally bring about a spiritual awakening, a spiritual refreshing, literally a spiritual revival among us. 
In Isaiah 64, verse 4, the latter part of that, it says, Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard how awesome our God is, and the way he responds, I'm putting it in my words, to those who wait on him. If you have your Bibles, I'll underline that. Those who wait. Because here's an incredible picture for us. It's the idea of, of, you know, just that spirit of anticipation, that spirit of desire. It's kind of like, unfortunately, maybe it's not the best illustration, but I think it's one we all can relate to. It's kind of like going to, you know, the football game and you're tailgating, you get there three hours ahead of time. Why? Because you're just so excited and you're just anticipation. What is going to happen and what's going to be experienced? And that's the picture that is here, but it has doesn't have anything to do with anything of this world. It has everything to do with the coming of the Lord God among us. Just can't wait. You're inviting a supernatural presence of God. So, this is the challenge, not just to the body of Christ here. I'm challenging you. Every one personally to join me in the next 21 days that begins tomorrow morning or tomorrow all the way to that morning where the revival services actually start join me I'm challenging you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to join me to pray every single day the next 21 days inviting specifically inviting the Lord to come among us. Now, here's my point. I know who will accept that challenge. Oh, not by name. That's between you and the Lord. But I know who will because those who will accept this challenge are those who want it. Now you may be sitting there thinking, well, shouldn't all of us want it? Yes. Does everybody want it? No. You say, well, why would someone not want it? Because deep down there are those who know that if God does show up among us supernaturally to bring a spiritual, literally a spiritual revival, a spiritual refreshing, a spiritual awakening, Nothing's going to be the same. Whenever God responds, whenever God works, he changes things. And if there's one thing I know particularly about Baptists, we don't like change. Yeah, but when we're talking about the Lord, I, I know. But you see, we get so caught up in the smoking screams of our, quote, religion. We get so caught up in the veneer of how we're living out our faith, and we're comfortable with that, and we don't want anybody to mess that up. And that includes the Lord. Because if he shows up as we are inviting him, if we respond like Isaiah and he shows up with a spirit, a literal spiritual uh, revival and refreshing, he's going to change attitudes in people's hearts. He's going to change activities of people's lives. 
He's going to change the way we approach. We are living out our faith out there where life is really happening. And there are people who don't want to give up those attitudes. They don't want to release those activities. They don't want to change what they're comfortable with and the way they're living out their faith. The question is, are you one of those who don't want to change? It will change the body of Christ. There has never been a revival. There's never been a time where God has come among his people in a spiritual refreshing, a spiritual awakening, spiritual revival, whatever term you want to use, and that body of Christ remained the same. There's never been a believer who has been touched by God in that awesome way and has remained the same. So, I give you this challenge. And you'll decide if you're one of the ones who truly won't. Revival. And you'll be able to measure that by whether or not you accept the challenge. Now, in addition to that, let me add this. I'm going to give you another opportunity as well. Three days before, just like we have done before, we will have our wall of prayer. That begins on Wednesday night at midnight on February the 4th. goes all the way to midnight on Saturday, every hour on the hour, a prayer warrior praying. We're going to need about 72. I want to challenge you to become part of that. Very soon on our website, there'll be a way for you to actually sign up for it. And when you have signed up, I'll be sending you all the material you need, the prayer guide and everything, to take that one hour in those three days and pray and invite the Lord God to come among us. We will see. You can look up Psalms 80, verses 1 through 3, verse 7, and verse 19 later. Let me give you a second thing, and I want to spend some time right here. The second thing that God has laid on my heart to challenge you with is to enter into a renewed commitment to obedience. We're talking about obeying the Lord. That's what we're talking about. Remember what that looks like? You know, about a month ago in one of our series of study together, I actually tried to explain what that looks like in a believer's life. Let me remind you. Obedience is doing exactly... Let me emphasize exactly what the Lord tells us to do when he tells us to do it with a glad heart, with a gladness of heart. Doing exactly what he tells us to do, whether we read it in scripture where the spirit speaks to our heart about it, but doing exactly what he tells us to do when he tells us to do it. In other words, he doesn't say, hey, put that on your spiritual bucket list that you want to do one day. (laughs) No. 
We do exactly what he tells us to do when he tells us to do it with gladness of heart. Well, you may be sitting there wondering, what does that have to do with preparing for the coming of Christ in, in a revival, in a refreshing, in a spiritual awakening? What, what, what does that have to do with getting ready for that? Well, let me just remind you of a couple of things the scripture teaches here about obedience. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Now, Many of you know, probably all of you know, that part of Revelation chapters 2 and 3 were letters that Jesus sent through the Apostle John to seven churches in Asia Minor. In every one of these letters, Jesus deals with very specific things going on in that body of Christ. But, in every letter, he's got, exact, he's got one word he gives to every church. And this is expressed for us as an example. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, and then the first part of that verse. Where Jesus says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear. What does he mean by that? It means he who has the ear to listen for the purpose of understanding and obeying. Doing exactly what I'm telling you to do when I tell you to do it, which is now, with gladness of heart. I shared in the early service were were you watching honey uh, oh well might as well do it again then <laughs> I, I have been accused rightly so of having selective hearing am I right honey okay okay just want to be truthful here <laughs> and that's bad enough in this situation if you understand what I'm talking about <laughs> But see, here's the problem. There are many church-going people. There are many who profess to be followers of Christ. The problem is they've got selective hearing when it comes to the Lord. They, they kind of pick and choose what they want to hear based upon whether or not they really want to do what he is telling them to do and, and when he tells them to do it, and of course with gladness of heart. And so in Luke chapter 6 and in verse 46, Jesus asked this question. Let me just remind you of it. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not what I say? You, you claim I'm your Savior. You claim I'm your Lord. I'm your God. But you have selective hearing. You're not really wanting to hear with the intention of obeying what I'm telling you to do. Well, that's a serious matter. Because the scripture says this in Second Chronicles 16 verse 9. This is what I call one of those anchor verses. An anchor verse is, we need to remember this daily. 
and the truth of this verse daily. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Whose heart is completely his. What does that mean? They hear what he says. They do exactly what he tells them to do. When he tells them to do it with gladness of heart. And they say, well, okay, I get that. Get your point. What does that have to do with preparing for revival? Simply this. If you're not committed to obedience, it doesn't matter what word God gives Randy Harlan to share with us. This godly man, known Randy for many years, God's hand is on him. Trust me, God has gifted him. I know he is seeking the Lord right now for the word. He wants to share through Randy, but listen, it doesn't matter if we do not have ears to hear, if we're not committed to obedience to do what he tells us to do when he tells us to do it with gladness of heart. You're not going to receive a word from God. Oh, you will enjoy Randy. He's gifted. God's anointing him. You, you go, but spiritually, that's not going to help you at all. Because Randy Harlan cannot do one thing for you except to proclaim the word of the Lord. And so if we go into that week and we're not committed to obedience, we're not committed to hearing what the Lord says and doing it exactly what he tells us to do, when he tells us to do it with gladness of heart, you may go through the motions and you may enjoy the music, you may enjoy the way he presents the word, but you're going to leave never being touched by the spirit of the living God. Some of you who maybe study church history, uh, you're aware of the, what is, in 1905 and 1906, what's called the Welch Revival. Took place on the Isle of Wales. It started with one young preacher boy who had been asking for the opportunity to share a message that God laid on his heart. And finally, one Sunday evening, he is allowed to share that message. I want to share with you his four points. This is, he said, first of all, point one in his message was simply this. Confess all known sin and receive forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, you know. We have that promise. You confess your sins, he'll be faithful and just and forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Then his second point. Remove anything in your life that you are in doubt about or feel unsure about. Now we have to dig a little bit deeper on that one, don't we? We have to actually have to just be more honest about really what we're what's going on in here and what we really know to be true, what's right, what's wrong. His third point was this, publicly confess the Lord Jesus Christ. Like we were talking about last week, my message last week entitled, you know, coming out of the closet, 
not from the world perspective, but coming out of the church house. See, easy to live out our faith in the church house, but we need to come out of the closet. We gotta, we gotta live out our faith out there where life happens so that they can see our faith. They can hear us testify of the Lord, how good the Lord is to us, how his grace has changed us, how we look to him. For any time we can share a simple word, we are testifying of the Lord. We gotta come out of the closet of the church house to live our faith. But then here's his fourth point. Here's, my, here's where I'm drawing you to. His fourth point was this. Be ready. Are you listening? Say amen. Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. Instantly. Now he shared that message that night. People took it to heart in that little island, the Isle of Wales. And God began to change their lives. And God came among them. And in that one year period, over 100,000 people on that island came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What was one of the key elements? God's people being committed to obedience. Well, I don't know everything the Lord wants me to do. You know some things he wants you to do. And what you do know, the question is, are you committed to doing exactly what you know he wants you to do when he wants you to do it with gladness of heart. With gladness of heart. So my challenge for the next 21 days is for you to take Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24 and pray it for yourself. Pray it for your marriage. Pray it for your family. Pray it for the body of Christ. Here's what Jesus, or what David prayed to the Lord. Search me, O oh God. In other words, saying, speak to me. Show me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. In other words, just, just make myself transparent to myself. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, I, I was an advertising public relations major at the University of South Carolina. And I want you to know that what I have observed in my own life, and I know is probably true of your life, we are good PR people about ourselves. We, we think we're so much spiritual than what we really, really are. And it takes the Lord to say, okay, look, if you'll come, let me work, let, let me just show you the truth. 
Let me show you what attitudes you really have. Let me just show you what activities that, that should not be in your life. What activities should be in your life. Let me show you how you should be approaching living out your life out there where life happens. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So here's my challenges for today. Preparing for the coming of the Lord to come among us. Earnestly invite for the next 21 days, every day, invite him to come among us. Be willing to be changed. Be willing to have ears to hear enter into a new commitment to obedience. Father God, we are, as we sang just a moment ago, in desperate need of you. We need you among us here at Washington Baptist Church. We desperately need revival. We desperately need refreshing. We need an awakening. And so, Father, I trust my hope in Christ is that every brother and sister in Christ here will accept this challenge with gladness of heart and with anticipation of you. In Jesus' name, amen.